0: So there was a man born in the country of Israel and he lived a fairly normal life or at least what you would expect in the country of Israel about 2,000 years ago. He he had a dad, he had a mom, he had a couple siblings and all of those things. He uh, learned, he went to school and he did really well in school. He learned everything a little Israel boy should learn uh, at that time. All of the Torah is what they studied in school. which. Uh, we call it the Old Testament uh, in our Bible, but back then it was called the Torah. And so despite being very knowledgeable though, and, and he skilled and skilled in his understanding, and he showed great wisdom about these Torah and the understanding of what, what they called the scriptures, he had this amazing understanding and knack for grasping what, what the scripture was trying to say. And he could have done really well, but despite doing all of that, he decided that he was gonna go into the family business. His dad was a carpenter, so he became uh, a carpenter's apprentice and he learned the trade of carpentering. I don't know what the term is, but he, he learned it and then he became a carpenter. Now, 30 years go by and overall he lives a, 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 just a typical life. But then at the age of 30, he decides to do something that not many people do. Uh, he decided to have a profession change. And so instead of becoming a carpenter, he understood that he he did have a knack for the scriptures. And so what he decided to do was uh, he gave up all of that. And instead of it, he goes from being a carpenter to a teacher. Back then in Israel, they call a the teacher a rabbi. So he spends the next three years teaching people about God in ways that they had never heard before. The way he was teaching about God it was like he had a different book altogether it was like he had a different understanding or almost like this inside track into who God the father was that they all, all worship and he talked about things a lot different than they had ever heard before they said stuff like instead of hate your enemy what he said was love your enemy love your enemy like you love yourself And they'd never heard that before. They had always said, we need to hate our enemies. We need to destroy our enemies. But this teacher comes out and says things like that. He comes out and he goes, instead of taking revenge, they had a scripture that said, an eye for an eye, if you've ever heard that, which is the idea of if somebody takes your eye, you go back and you get their eye, right? But he says, instead of revenge, forgive them. If somebody wrongs you, if somebody slaps you in one cheek, offer them the other cheek and they're going, I don't get this. Why is this guy saying stuff like that? And instead of rules, he taught about this relationship, an opportunity for a relationship instead of just rules in a book that you have to follow, a relationship with a father, not on earth, but in heaven. Now, It would be one thing if he just went around and talked to people and taught these things. That had happened before. There had been other teachers that would go around and just kind of blab and say whatever they came up to mind and and they would try and convince people what they were saying was true. But something was different about this guy because yes, he said things that they had never heard before but it was also not just the things that he said but what he did. Because what he did was incredible, incredible things. Some of them would even say miraculous things. As he was teaching, crowds would gather and the the people would come and they would bring their sick to him and he would touch them and they would be healed. The blind, all of a sudden, he would go to them and he'd spit and make mud in the, spit and he'd do weird things like spit in the ground, make some mud with the, the dirt in his spit, rub it in their eyes and then they could see. Diseases were healed. People who could not walk from birth all of a sudden could walk. There was people who were dead and he brought them back to life. There were storms that he said, peace be still. And in that moment, whew, the storm was calmed. And it was because of these miracles along with this teaching that no one had ever heard before. These ideas that he was talking about, all of these things, it would be one thing if he just talked about it, but but they had to take notice because of the incredible things that he also did along with his teaching. So because he did this, he gained a massive following. He had a lot of followers, okay? Like he was Instagram for sure certified in this case, but he had all sorts of followers But there were some people, the religious leaders of that time who had taught the old way and didn't like the new ways of things that he was saying, decided that this guy can't go on anymore. He's gaining too much influence. He's getting too popular, so he must be removed. He's too dangerous to keep around. So they have him arrested under false accusations. They have no proof of anything. They have no reason to arrest this guy, but they do. They arrest him under false accusations. And in this trial, they have him beaten. And they have him and, and many people take shots at him and clay and yell at him and scream at him. And this crowds gather around and they take their shots at him one at a time. And then through this trial process, he ends up becoming, he gets whipped. And it's not just like the pretty whip that you see in in the movies, you know, or Indiana Jones. We're talking about a whip that they had these different colored straps and different things were woven into each strap. Some of them were glass or shards of rock, sharp rocks. Others of them were little tiny metal balls. And so when they whipped the guy's back, it would rip into his flesh and pull it away. The goal of this whipping was called a flogging. And the goal was remove as much flesh as you could off their back. And they whipped him until he could take no more. Then... After all of that, surely it had been enough, but the religious leaders knew that he could come back from that and they wanted him gone for good. So they convinced the crowd to shout, crucify, crucify, and they decided to crucify this man. They placed a cross on his back and they made him carry this cross through the streets of Jerusalem up to the top of a hill. They placed this cross into the ground and they nailed him to this cross with these types of nails, through the wrist, through the hands right here, they punctured his hands, they punctured his feet with these, didn't commit. It wasn't long after all of this that he died on that cross. And he was buried and placed in a tomb and sealed with a massive stone in front of it. And then they placed guards in front of that stone just to make sure that nobody would try and mess around or mess with the body or anything like that. They placed these guards in front of it and he lay there dead on a Friday and on a Saturday, still dead. So if this is where this story would have ended, there would be no story. I wouldn't be talking about this person if This is where the story ended. We wouldn't be here today in this place if the story would have ended right there. There would have been no Bible. There would have been no Christians. There would have been no church because there wouldn't have been a Jesus. Jesus Christ is the man who went through all of this for us. And yet we're still going, why are we saying this story? Because a, a cool guy that taught some stuff and a cool guy that did maybe a few miracles, but then just died, that, that, that shouldn't have lasted 2000 years. We shouldn't be standing here in this room and me talking about this. So what's going on? The fact that the story still exists today actually says a lot. That many people saw what happened and decided that it was worth writing down. Because I know today, if you see something and you wanna remember it, you can literally just go say, hey Siri, remind me tomorrow at nine o'clock in the morning uh, to, that I need to you know, go to school and that I need gas before I go to school. If you need to remember something, you don't even have to type it. But if you did, you could just sit there on your phone. Or if you absolutely had to, you could go to your laptop, open your laptop and you could type it up and you could have a thousand word essay done in no time on what happened the other day. But 2,000 years ago, you didn't write something down unless it was a big deal. Because you got the, you've got, it takes a long time to write something down back then. You certainly didn't write something down if somebody else already wrote it. Somebody's writing it down you're like, wait, you already wrote this? Well, I'm, I'm not spending days, I'm not spending months writing this down. Why would I do that if you've already done it? 2,000 years ago, you most certainly didn't write something down if it didn't happen. So what happened? Well, Jesus went through all of that dead in the grave, but then he didn't stay dead. On the third day, it says in scripture in multiple places that he rose again. And the Bible says that the disciples saw him after he rose from the dead many, many times and even ate with him before he ascended into heaven. And all four gospels write about not only his death, but the resurrection. Luke 1.1 1, 1 says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. The fact that people not only wrote it down, that's one thing. But then about 50 years after Jesus, there was a Roman emperor named Nero and he decided that he did not like what was happening after Jesus had happened because he had gained a bunch of followers. And now there was this this group of people where they called themselves Christians and and this, this idea was growing and he did not like this idea. So then he declared across the Roman empire that Christianity was a crime that any, any accounts of Jesus, any, any letters talking about Jesus should be burned immediately and the people that are found with those accounts should be put to death. They had to risk their lives to protect this story. You don't do that for a dead guy. You don't do that for something that wasn't real, something that, that doesn't matter. But if he really did die and he, and he really did then rise again and, and he really did all of the miracles that, that many accounts of his life says that he did. And if he says he, who he says he is, and if he is who he says he is, which is the son of God in scriptures is what he calls himself, which you don't call yourself the son of a God unless, or let alone son of the God, unless you are one crazy. Or two, write. There's only two reasons why you would say that. And he said, I am the son of God. If all of it was true, every word that is written in those four accounts of Jesus in the Bible, that would be a story worth telling. That would be something worth writing down. That would be something worth living for. And that would be something worth dying for. Maybe you're here tonight and you picture Jesus just kind of like Santa or the Easter bunny or just this kind of made up character that some people decided that they were gonna believe in and, and all of this, but, but now you're going, well, uh, I, I hope that uh, it's a fun story, but it's not real. And maybe you needed to hear that, that Jesus was a person he was born, he was here on earth. There are many, there are many art- articles and accounts of the fact that he was here on earth. He walked the earth and he did what he said he did. He did the miracle things. He died and rose again. And maybe that's something that you needed to hear tonight, that he's not just this made up character. He's not like Santa or the Easter bunny or any of those things, but he was a person and he did what he said he did. But maybe you need something more. Maybe you're going, that's great that there was this guy 2,000 years ago and he did all of that stuff, that's awesome. What does that have to do with me? What does his story have to do with my story? Well, just like Jesus' story wouldn't be much of a story with just a death, if he would have just died then we, we wouldn't tell the story, but there was more. My story, my own, my own story wouldn't be much of a story without Jesus. See, growing up, I believed the story of Jesus. I went to church, I heard this story, and I believed that it was more than a story that he did exist. But believing the story of Jesus and believing in Jesus, those are, those are two different things. And so my story, just like Jesus, had loss. It had death in it maybe not physical death, but, but it had emotional death. I, I lost things, things died. When I was 14 years old, my parents uh, divorced and I loved my family. I loved that we were a unit. I loved my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister. I didn't always like my brother, but I loved him, okay? And we were a family and I was proud of that. And so when my parents decided to call it quits, th- that died. And all of a sudden my family was never the same again and, and I remember that, that, that loss in that moment. A few years later, I, I had this hard breakup coming out of high school. It was this relationship that I just, I fell head over heels for this girl and I, and I really liked her. And all of a sudden that, that, that relationship ended so abruptly and that relationship, it died. And that, and that hurt and I felt the loss of that. And I remember at 19 years old trying to, to wrestle with the loss that I was experiencing that to a point where I got, I got so low and, I, and so just sad and, and depressed about that, that I had this moment after one night where I was driving down the road thinking about this and I remember looking at every phone pole on the way down this road and going, you know, maybe it would just be easier if I just took my car and ran it straight into one of those foam poles. I was insecure, I was depressed, I was lustful, I was a dead man walking. And we can all see death in our lives, we, we can. We, when we look at our lives, we can see the loss that we've experienced, the death. And, and why can we always see that when we're here in this place? Because it's this world, this world that we live in wants to end our stories in death. But Jesus came into this world, this world that wants to end our stories in death, and he said things like this. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 10, 10 says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I think if you were honest, because I want to be honest with you, sometimes living in, in this world does not feel like life abundant. It feels like death abundant. It feels like just bad abundant, right? We look at the world and we see pandemics that we just went through. We see war, we see stress, we see mental health issues, we see bullying online and in person, and and we see hate and we see all of these things. And we say, where is the life and life abundant? My story could have ended with loss and with death, but, but that wouldn't be a story to tell. But through Jesus, my story gained life. My story didn't end there. My family gone, I remember that moment mourning the fact that I lost my family, and you know what? My family has never been the same since then, but I found a new family. I found that new family, right here in this place. There were people that the the pastors when I was uh, in high school that loved me. I had friends who held me accountable and were like brothers to me and we did life and we did life to the fullest together. And I had people like Pastor JL help raise me through high school because my parents were too busy doing something else. And I had a family and it was here. Jesus got me home safe that night that I was thinking about ending it all. And then he gave me a life, and after a while, you know, it—he it, 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 gave it to me abundantly because now I'm sitting here and I have a beautiful family, two awesome kids, a beautiful wife, and life. And he gave it to me. He gave me life, and he gave it to me abundantly. My story didn't end those nights, and it's still being written, but it's a good story. I like the story that he's writing for me. And I gotta ask you, what what would happen if your story wrapped up today? What kind of story would it be? Because, because no one likes a sad ending. Like we all put up with Infinity War because we knew that there was another movie after it, okay? But no one would have been okay with Infinity War if that was just the end of it and they said, that's all folks, good night, right? But, but Jesus' story, you know, it, just like that, Jesus' story, we're okay with Jesus' story because we see that there was a death and we, we, we know, we can keep reading. and We go, okay, yeah, he died, but... Three days later, he rose again. And his story looks so much different than just a guy who lived, did some things and died when he rose from the dead. And our story, our story looks far different when he is in it. With him, our story is a story of resurrection. It's a comeback story. Our story goes from death to life and life abundant. Your story becomes one to tell. It doesn't, just end, it doesn't just end unfinished and lacking. Life becomes exactly what it's supposed to be, a life. A life that's alive, a life that's rewarding, a life of purpose. See, Jesus dying on the cross in payment for our sins. That's why he did that. It wasn't just the religious leaders who said, I don't like him, so I'm gonna kill him. He knew exactly what they were doing. And Jesus being the son of God could control the outcome of his story. He was writing his own story and he chose to write his story and that he chose to die on that cross to pay for our sins, which are the mistakes that we are going to make, we have made and are making right now those things. He died on the cross to pay for those sins and death and raising from dead the dead allowed, allowing the ending of everyone's story who believes in him to end in heaven. See heaven, when we're talking about living a life, heaven is eternal life, life in the presence of God in perfection. And if you say, Jesus, I believe in you, I believe your story, but more than that, I believe that your story is my story, that you died and rose again, and you want to do the same in my heart. I understand that my mistakes, my mistakes, my sins, my problems, those things, that's death. And I ask that you would cleanse me of those things and bring me back to life. See the ending, when we do that, the ending changes. Hebrews 5, 9 says, and having been perfected, he, meaning Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus is the author of our salvation. He wrote the story, but he doesn't just wanna change the ending of your story. He wants to help write the middle. Hand over your sin, yes. Yes, hand over, hand over the death that's in your life, the loss that's in your life, and he takes it and he removes it because he paid for it on that cross. And he says, yes, now, not so that we can keep on sinning, not so that we can keep on experiencing loss and death and all of those things, But he says, hand over those things, but also while you're at it, we need to hand over the pen to our own life because God gets to be the author of not only our salvation, not the ending, but our entire life. I'd like you to just lower your head and close your eyes. And I just wanna ask you a couple questions real fast. So the two questions I have to ask you tonight are two of the most important questions that you will ever answer. The first question I want you to answer, I want you to think about for a moment. You don't have to answer it out loud, obviously, but how does your story end? How's it gonna end? Romans 6.23 says, sin pays off with death, but God's gift is eternal life given by Jesus Christ, our Lord. The ending of our story is either death or life. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to scare anyone because that, that's not how I want you to come to this decision that you're, you're scared of the end, but I'm just trying to tell you that there is a better way, there's a better ending, and there's a better way to live this life. See, we don't get to choose when our story will end. But we can choose how it ends. We can choose that it end in death or eternal life. And how do we decide how our story ends? Romans 9 says it perfectly. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. openly declare that Jesus is Lord meaning you've given him the pen to write your story for the rest of your life and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead that it's not just a pretty story that it happened that Jesus did what he said he did you'll be saved the ending of your story changes how does your story end and the second question I want to ask you is this is who is writing your story. Who's writing your story right now? Is it you? Are are you making all the decisions for your life and and you're trying to scribble out a story that that feels like it means something, and has meaning, has purpose, matters? Maybe it's your parents who are trying to write your story right now. Maybe it could even be just our comfort is trying to write our story. Where we're just trying to go through life in the path of least resistance and, and we don't want anything challenging. We don't want anything to kind of to harsh our vibe. We don't, we don't want anything to like mess up anything. So we're just kind of going with what's comfortable. What's comfortable right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's watch some Netflix right now. That's comfortable. Let's play some video games right now. Let's, let's date this girl right now. And, and we're allowing our comforts to write our story. But the only one who knows how to write a good story, that's God, that's Jesus. And it's, it's a good story, but it's not gonna be without some trouble because a story without trouble, that's not an interesting story. The story that God writes for you is a good story, but it's gonna have some, some intrigue, some drama, maybe a dusting of action here and there, but it will be a good story and it's gonna be a story worth telling. So the two questions, how does your story end? I hope that everybody in this room, our prayer is that everybody in this room would know exactly how their story's gonna end, that it ends in life. And if you're not ready to change the ending of your story and you're not ready for that spot, I I, I understand that, but I hope it's still at some point, you have something to think about as you go home tonight. And who is writing your story? I think it's so important for us to look at our lives and go, do I even like where my life is headed right now? if we really sat there and stopped and we, we turned off the phone, we turned off the screens, we turned off all of those things, we, we, we put down all that stuff and we sat there, would we go, I like the story of my life. I, I think if we were to be honest, if Jesus isn't the one with the pen, there's some problems with that story. So how does your story end? And who's writing your story? So as you're, you're thinking about that in your heart right now, I just, I wanna ask the questions. That in this moment, if you would say, I, I know how my story ends and it, it ends in death, but because I, I want to partner with Jesus and I want my story to be Jesus's story, and I want my story to end in life, not death. If that's you, with everybody's head lowered and eyes closed, just as out of respect for other people so that they can make this decision for themselves without having to worry about other people. If that's you and you go, I, I wanna change how my story ends and I wanna accept Jesus as my Lord and savior and I want him to bring my story ending to life eternal in heaven with him forever. I want you to raise your hand. So everybody in the room, we're gonna pray together. And even if you didn't raise your hand, if you just pray this with us so that the people who did raise their hand don't feel singled out or anything, we're just gonna say, dear Father, thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins, for paying the penalty for our deaths so the end of our stories can be different. I accept that you're the author of my life, the author of my salvation. I believe that you are Lord Jesus. I believe that you died and rose again. In Jesus' name, amen. It's an incredible decision you just made and the ending of your story is different. And so those people in this room who've maybe made that decision before, and you've made it today, the question then becomes moving forward. And maybe some of you are going, I've accepted Jesus in my heart, I know how the ending goes, but I haven't been surrendering, allowing him to write my story in the middle. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you, give God, give God the pen. Give God, let Him author not just your salvation, but your story, your life, because Him with the pen will look so much better than anything that you're ever gonna come up with. This Sunday is Easter, and it's, such a, it's a celebration of the story of Jesus. And He did this thing in, in right before all of this happened, at what's called the Passover meal, His story, is fascinating because his story and our story and every other believer's story for two millennium intersect in this fascinating moment that Jesus wanted to share. And the night before his death, he shared a meal with his 12 closest friends. And in it, he told every, and in this moment, he also told that every believer from that point on should share in the same meal and the remembrance of his story. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna have a small moment where, where we take what's called communion. And what we're gonna do here is in just a moment, uh, some people are gonna come out and they're gonna have a cup with a grape and a cracker in it. And in Jesus' day, they, they had this fancy like cup of wine and uh, some unleavened bread and they passed it out in that moment and they shared bread and they shared this moment. And Jesus said, take this in remembrance of me. And he used it as this sacred moment to remember his story. So as a church family, as a 4640 family, and for us who have accepted Christ long ago and understand the ending of our story is eternal life in heaven with Jesus, and those of you who've just made that decision tonight, welcome to the family. We wanna have this moment where we share a meal in this moment, a holy meal together in remembrance of Jesus' story. So if that's you, what we're gonna do is you're gonna stand up and you're gonna come forward and we're gonna share this meal together. And if you're not there yet, that's okay, you can stay seated if you're going, I'm, I'm not there yet, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying and, I, and I'll think about it, but not yet tonight, that's okay. But right now, whatever, anybody who's accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, come stand up, let's come forward and we're gonna take communion before we go as a church family. And just stay down here if you would like if you'd like so it says in 1 Corinthians the same night in which he was handed over he took bread which for us is a, a cracker right here and he gave thanks then he distributed it to the disciples and said take it and eat your fill and then he says something that's kind of weird in this moment he says it is my body which was given for you do this to remember me He says, take this and remember my story. And what's fascinating is he hadn't actually done it yet. He hadn't died on the cross yet, but he knew he was going to, but he did. He died on the cross for us and his body was broken in ways we can't even imagine for us to pay for us and our lives. So thank you, Jesus for your body, broken for us. Let's eat. It says he did the same thing with a cup of wine or grape. Okay. After supper, and he said, this cup seals the new covenant with my blood. This is just a fancy way of saying, instead of having to, you know, animal sacrifices and, and living a certain way according to this law, this new covenant, it's just believe in me that I died for your sins. Accept me as your Lord and Savior, and you'll get to go to heaven. That's the new covenant. He says, drink it. And whenever you drink this, he says, do it to remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. Let's eat the grape. Let's pray one more time. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you died on the cross, that your body was broken, your blood was shed, not just to be a neat story, but God, so that we could change our stories, that you did that in payment for our sins, our mistakes. You lived a perfect life, did nothing wrong, but you wrote your story to save ours. And we thank you for that, God. And this week as we celebrate Good Friday and we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, God, we remember the sacrifice that you made and we remember you and all you have done and are going to do in our lives. And we love you so much and we thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.